Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Meaning What? I am Matt Wiseman. Today, I just want to talk a little bit about things that keep me up. You know, just things that happen in the political world that really disturb me, that affect my sleep, um, especially in this political time when we have the contentious 2020 election and it's the Democrats versus the Republicans and the Republicans just went through all this identity crisis where they've found a new identity under Donald Trump who is not like other Republicans. He's not like neocons. He's not like Tea Party Republicans. He's not like a Reaganite. But he's some kind of fusion of all of them with Democratic leanings, with neoliberal new Democratic leanings. So he's not going to be a champion of culturally progressive things. He's not going to want to signal he's going to want to divide and he wants to use these things. So he becomes a big enemy in 2020 because he's the things he's done, not because how he talks or what he says, but literally the things he's done. <clears throat> so there's been a few events in the past month, uh, two weeks or so, you know, January 14th until now, um, February 4th, uh, and I want to discuss them. I want to discuss uh, the debates in Des Moines, the Des Moines Register and CNN debates, uh, the last one, the January debates for the presidential uh, Democratic candidate for president, the six contestants, uh, and I wanted to talk about the uh, assassination of Qasim Soleimani, then I wanted to kind of bring it all home with the Iowa caucus that happened last night. So, and I, I think it's very important that we understand that this political season, it's very stressful. There's a lot of things going on, the impeachment trial and, and all of the news cycles. And there's the, a shift in media, corporate media versus independent media. There's, there's so many conflicts. It seems like they're everywhere nowadays. And what I've heard from people on the left, you know, I'm a progressive, so I listen to progressive media. What I've heard from them is that it's important to process, to meditate, to self-reflect, to really clear these things out of your system every once in a while. You know, take a day without news. You can catch up. It's fine. You're not going to miss much. But... There's a lot going on. And so these are some of the things that really got to me. So the debates in Des Moines, we had pretty good debate. I, I root for Bernie, so that was important to me. But what we had was some kind of bashing from the media CNN was definitely framing attacks against Bernie, and they totally disregard what he says at one point. Uh, and I find that very concerning, and I, I question their ability to be non-biased, their ability to actually host these debates. You know, maybe the government needs to step in and needs to be hosting these debates and needs to make them on PBS or needs to make them on a third party that's going to be non-biased, because a lot of the framing is this right-wing media framing is is you know 
the inherent values that the framing of the questions represent are values that are espoused by the New Democrats, are values that are espoused by Republicans. And so we need to be aware of that because they do seem like attacks, but they ask a question, so maybe they're not biased. They're totally biased. They're obviously biased. And this was a very clear situation where they were biased. But what really upset me was Elizabeth Warren's performance. Instead of talking about the issues, instead of talking about policy, instead of talking about history and past votes and political life, public life, she didn't attack her ideological rivals in Joe Biden, who is considered the front runner, even though Bernie Sanders was surging. Um, and she made her political career in Massachusetts by attacking him and drawing a contrast what she believes is important in her values and her convictions versus his. She didn't attack Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg for being in that same camp as Joe Biden for not having the history uh, that, that Joe Biden has or Bernie Sanders has. She attacked Bernie Sanders calling him a sexist for a personal conversation only the two of them are privy to a year before. Now, was that the time and the place to bring that up to someone you've called your friend for over a year publicly? Someone you've tried to be nice to? I just think it's... It's a stunt. I don't think she really feels that way. I think if you are personally offended by somebody that you care about... You talk to them about it in private because you had a private conversation. But if she's going to do this on the biggest stage there is, she's doing it for political reasons. And what, what are those political reasons? Well, it's slander. She's attacking his personal character because uh, she can't attack on the policies. She can't attack on his record. Those things seem to be impeccable. And instead of attacking him on what he's done publicly, she's attacking him on a conversation only the two of them are privy to over a year ago. That's not what you do to your friend. And as far as winning a debate, you can say anything in that scenario. You can call him a sexist. You can call him an anti-Semite. You can call him um, a racist. You can call him an imperialist. You can call him uh, a warlord. It doesn't matter. You can call him a magician. It doesn't matter what you say in private, it, it matters that you're bringing it up instead of talking about the issues. And so as a progressive, I believe in treating everybody fairly. But how do you treat everybody fairly? Is you, you don't talk about their family. You don't talk about things that aren't related to their public life or aren't related to their, their livelihoods or aren't related to things that could influence them and be corruptible. Now, I don't believe her, but that doesn't mean that others don't. And even if you do believe her, was she right to do it in this way? Was she right to attack him in a public debate for the President of the United States and then say, yay, woman, because he says no woman can be president? I don't think he said that. And I think maybe she's misremembering 
maybe she's been pushed into this corner. She was talking to moderate Hillary Rodman, Hillary Rodham Clinton. She was talking to other people and trying to court their base, court their influence, court the establishment. And for a, in a big way, she's kind of forsaken progressives and progressive values. Now, can she be an ally to progressives? Yeah, sure. You know, Amy Klobuchar is a ally to progressive. She's been progressive in certain ways. But does that mean that she is a progressive? I think we were wrong about Elizabeth Warren. I don't think she is a progressive. I won't waste any more time about it, and I won't consider her as a as a candidate. This was a big uh, this was a big issue for me. This was somebody who I considered viable for president. Was going to represent um, progressive values that I could actually believe in. And here she is crumbling. Here she is telling stories like you know she did when she was a Native American for years. Um, like her her kids went to public school. They're, they're kind of factually wrong. But they could they be exaggerations on the past? Sure, they can be. But she's trumpeting these things. She's not the one that's... She's bringing them out, and people are fact-checking them, and they're finding that they're not true. Now, with this personal conversation, there's no way to fact-check it, so it's another story. But the, her personal mythos is coming off like she's telling stories. Her personal uh, uh, convictions are coming off like she doesn't believe in fighting for things, that she believes in running to the center as... Uh, as new Democrats like to say, neoliberals like to say, you run to a consensus. You you try and court the swing states and the people that voted for Trump, we need them back in the party. So her theory is, if I can be more like these moderates, then I will win. I disagree. I think Bernie Sanders has the superior theory where if we can bring out non-voters, if we can excite people and involve them in the process, if we can rebuild our constituency of the working class and the poor, and we try and represent them, we bring in minorities that have been disaffected. Uh, myself, I've been disaffected from the whole process. I've voted in presidential elections, but there's been real problems with the Democratic Party. There's been real problems with representation. There's been real problems in government. And Donald Trump knows this and exploits it. He knows how to work the media and he exploits it. We need somebody who's going to be a legitimate alternative to the establishment. And only Bernie Sanders proved to be that in that debate. And it kept me up at night because we only have the one. Who's our second best? Maybe Andrew Yang, maybe Tulsi Gabbard, but they both have their problems. And so that's all I'll say about that. The next thing that really bothered me was the the assassination of Qasem Soleimani in the Baghdad airport. So here he is on going to a peace mission, a general from Iran who orchestrated dirty wars by basically instructing militia to do awful things internationally on behalf of Iran. Now, do they do things on their own? Yes. Do they do things for Iran? Yes. So they were helping us fight ISIS. ISIS was taken out. And the next step is Donald Trump commits an act of war, killing a general of a sovereign nation that are actually our allies at the point. So not only is he distancing himself from betraying our allies who are helping us fight ISIS, now that that fight is done, we're going to attack them. So... This is 
offensive and it's awful. And I'm glad that it seems to be over now, but we are fighting. We've spent all this money in Iraq. We're still in Iraq. We're trying to stabilize that nation and that nation doesn't want us there. And they have protesters outside our embassy telling us to leave. The American people don't want us there. We don't know why we're there. We've done nothing. The Afghan papers just came out. That war has not gotten better for the Afghanistani people. And it's not done anything for the U.S. We've spent trillions of dollars doing these wars. And we don't know why. And we just keep doing it. Then there's Libya and Syria and all those kind of conflicts. And and Trump has had an influence on both of those. But here he is in the middle of Iraq where we're not light wanted. We're trying to get them to, to... to represent democracy and give us, you know, lucrative contracts or whatnot. And we're assassinating a general that's there on a peacekeeping mission in their airport. It's not only a bad look, it's bad politics and it's bad, bad diplomacy. And it's bad. It's just bad because we don't know what would have happened with the, the Trump uh, administration says, trust us. We did this for a reason. We attacked a, a general of a foreign war, the number three most powerful person in all of uh, Iran, the, who we're not at war with, who we pulled out of the nuclear deal, who we've been at economic warfare, if you want to call sanctions economic warfare. And I think that's fair. We've been at war with them, and now he's trying to make it a hot war. And so that becomes a big issue because this is an act of war that Congress didn't sign off on. And yes, this has been an extension of George W. Bush. It's been an extension of Barack Obama and their policies, their degradation of rights in the U.S., of powers within Congress and within the judicial branch. These things have been degraded to the fact that now the executive branch has its own mind and has its own abilities. And it's, it's very strong. And Donald Trump comes in. And he's just like, this is my new car, and I'm going to drive it. I'm going to drive it the way I drive. I'm going to use all the bells and whistles, all these things these people have put in there. I'm going to exploit them. And suddenly he's a threat. But it's not Donald Trump necessarily who's the threat. It's the people who built the car. And so the problems cannot just be about fixing the driver as much as fixing the system that is unbalanced and not sustainable, and not democratic. We didn't elect a president to start a war with a foreign nation, unilaterally, with secret information that they can't share with the public. Everybody in the U.S., every representative, and the president should be accountable to the public for war, at the very least for war. And they should be able to explain themselves when they do something like this. They should be able to have an explanation that they can bring to the public and say, I work for you, this was for your benefit. They didn't have that. That's very troubling. And uh, joining me is Tamik Henderson. And we're going to talk about the Iowa caucuses and the uh, what that means for progressives and 
really how what's the path forward? What's the path forward for the, the Democratic establishment? And what do we do with the Democratic Party? So, Tamik, you want to start the ball rolling? What do, what do you think, uh, Iowa? What do you think will happen? Um, I think that it was pure madness um, to not use uh, profanity. Um, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, it was absolutely pure uh, madness. Um, and uh, so, uh, it's it's been a bewildering uh, twenty four hours um, in a news cycle, um, and there's so many things to touch on. But I think let's just start off with the obvious. Um, Bernie Sanders uh, won Iowa. Okay, now there yeah. now now we are seeing a narrative um, that is um, alternative to that. So let's start off with the first, which is uh, results are not um, fully in yet. Yet uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, claimed um, claimed victory. So let's start off with that. Um, how do you feel about that, Matt? Yeah. Well, uh, I think. You're probably correct that um, Bernie won, and we won't know until these come out, if they ever come out. You know, this whole thing was botched. I think at the end of the day, that's what we know about Iowa, is that when people are attacking the caucus system, people are attacking Iowa, people are talking about momentum, and then they're talking about momentum was stolen, whoever won. And those, those are facts, and I get it. But at the end of the day, the Democratic Party was in charge of this, and they blew it. And they're not going for accountability. They're not going for, um, for transparency. They're actually trying to block reporters from knowing anything more about it. And they're able to do so because there is this, this media window. I don't know if you saw the statistic, but it was 84 minutes last presidential cycle that they, they spent covering Iowa. This time it was like 15 minutes. They talked about Iowa for 15 minutes in corporate media. An average of 15 minutes. The reason so, why is because Bernie won. Yeah, you could say it's a Bernie blackout, but they've been giving Bernie a lot of attention. Uh, what, I've, what I've heard is that it's because it's overshadowed by the impeachment. And really, you have this impeachment that started late because the, the House was trying to play some, you know, under Nancy Pelosi, some political exercises where they're, they're going to play games where they can kind of make their case by waiting. We don't have to send over the articles of impeachment until we're ready. We're going to be fair, sure there's a fair trial. And what did it get them? Like nothing. So all this political posturing, all of these Democrats trying to look strong, and, and Chuck Unger puts it perfectly, they bungle it. They're professional bunglers. There's nothing they can do right. And this is just more proof to that. They, they, they screwed up impeachment. They waited far too long. They didn't get the people they needed. And now it's the same thing with Iowa. They, there's a, a complicated system. There, there's supposed to be this technocratic solution, which they love new technologies that are going to be, you know, of course, this is the future. We don't need to actually have paper ballots to back it up, even though it's the first trial run, you know, and that, that didn't work out so well with the Obamacare rollout, you know, that crashed the system. And they're like, oh, we don't, we, there's no way for us to know. You could have known, well, <laughs> you know, well, it's just think. excuses. And, and they, they don't really accept that they're going to ever be wrong. And you see this with the establishment Democrats. They never apologize. They never admit or that lose ground that they were wrong with 2016, or that they're, gonna, they're wrong now. They never admit that they're ever wrong. So um, not to take away your thunder. I know I think that Pete Buttigieg is playing politics here with his victory speech. You know, and, and I think that you know, Bernie... 
gave a speech too. I, I think that if you have a constituency that you believe in and you believe that you won and that, you know, regardless, you're going to go on fighting. Yeah. You want to go with the attitude that you want. Now to actually say it is a little different and the media attention around Buttigieg is greater and often he is not tested by the media. And so they were going to run with something positive about him. But I think that in a way the media jumped the gun and maybe Buttigieg didn't really phrase it correctly. He's walked it back because yeah. um, he's, he has been trending um, on Twitter uh, since yesterday with, um, yes, so he's been trending on Twitter since yesterday, um, 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 Mayor Cheat. And, and so the, 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 the details about, about this app and um, this, uh, the, the developing, uh, developer that created it, uh, Shadow, um, are still coming out. Yeah. What I can say is, um, yes, yeah, so he's been trending um, on Twitter and there is a, I mean, to put it lightly, a firestorm around um, him right now. And sure. so I think that to your earlier point about um, it was to blunt the the winner, they accomplished that. So that, that has been accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Now, in terms of- That's uh, literally- yeah. Now, now the last point I want to make is hey, essentially yeah, yeah. They, they took the 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 power of the Iowa's position at all because this we're talking about forty one delegates and twelve thousand, so twelve thousand to win, and these only have forty one. They're kind of a small state, and they're important because of the first in the nation. But that being said, their power comes from the ability to give their candidate that they choose momentum. That's all gone. So not only did they they rob the candidate, they robbed the voters of Iowa. Right. With this bungle. Now, and it's, and you know, you can bl blame the DNC in Iowa, you can blame the DNC uh, in general, but generally, this is what they do. This is what the establishment has done, and it's going to be used. And I, I, I could see Donald Trump saying that some of this is illegitimate. You, know, he's, you hear the Biden camp saying this is illegitimate. We're not going to say anything until we know. It's possible we'll never know. And it doesn't matter because the negative effect has already happened. Now, I think, um, so, so that's what I want to make on this because, uh, again, the facts are still coming out. And I want to I give some respect to that. Is what we know thus far is they, the caucuses were supposed to dial into this app uh, or log into this app and report the numbers. Now, um, there was also a number they can call if there were any issues and that number was busy um, or they were on hold for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, there's also some reports of some people, uh, the, the, the person that was supposed to report the numbers um, leaving after, you know, after not being able to get in contact with someone. Um, what, what I'm interested in seeing um, once the dust settles and whatever that is, is why could they just not send a text that, hey, this is what the numbers are. Um, it seemed like a very convoluted way of reporting a number to uh, a central database. Now, there are paper ballots, right? So this is, uh, to me, the DNC and the people that, 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 that do have a hand in this, this is their fail safe to say that, okay, no, their paper, paper ballots, everything is fine. But again, I think the, what the goal was, which is to blunt the, the momentum of the winner, um, and that has been accomplished. But um, it seems like a very convoluted way to report a number. And if it is just a reported number, why can that not just be text and, every, and we all just move on with our lives? Yeah, well, I, I think that you're 100% you're, you're correct. But at the end of the day, the damage is done. And 
it's kind of irrelevant, right? Because if Biden was the favorite child of the establishment, he kind of came off with this, like, dodging a bullet, you know, because it's not exposed that he is so low in the polls, which is assumed that he got maybe 12%, which is horrible, considering he was supposed to be the number one for a while. And then, you know, as of last week, he was going to be number two um, going in. So that means that all the polls are wrong and that the way that the media and the pundit class is reporting on these things is totally off base and that we really don't have a good system to judge how people are doing nationally for years before these, the, the, during the debates or, or in the media or just the traditional metrics are failing. Um, and I think that's a, it's an important takeaway. Uh, I want to talk about oh, just a second about timing. Um, so the Iowa caucus comes right after the impeachment trial. And then today it's going to be a state of the union address and Bernie Sanders has a concert. And then uh, Wednesday, we're supposed to hear the, um, the eventual acquittal of uh, Donald Trump. Of course, nobody knows for sure, but that was kind of what we knew going in. And Lindsey Graham was very obvious, saying that he doesn't pretend to be a, um, a non-biased juror or, you know, take his sworn duty uh, as, as juror in this situation um, seriously. So what do you think that the moment has already passed for Iowa to have any impact does this change what's going to happen in New Hampshire or South Carolina going forward? Um, I think it's a little bit of a lifeline for Bernie. No, for Biden, excuse me. Uh, it's a little bit of a lifeline for Biden. But as far as for Bernie, it's not going to change anything. Warren, if she doesn't make it in New Hampshire, I don't think she's going to go any further. And Buttigieg, he's going to hit South Carolina, and that's it, regardless if he wins Iowa and New Hampshire. I think that the black constituency and his, his record, and, you know, his support so far, if any of those polls are true, he's not getting through and he's not gonna. What do you think? The electability narrative will continue until after South Carolina. So I don't agree that he's done after New Hampshire. I think that all eyes are still on. I think that Dave, the media, mentions me as well as his campaign has been downplaying the first two primaries and saying that, okay, yeah, just stick with us until then, because when we get to South Carolina, then that's, that's where, that's where, I, you know, that's where you'll start to see my support. So, okay. Well, how does, how do, how do black people even like Biden? Like why, why is South Carolina this thing for, for Biden? Is it just the, the sheen of Barack Obama who hasn't come out and supported him? So how is it? I don't understand. Can you tell me a little bit why maybe in your in your view, obviously, I don't expect you to speak for all black people. And I think that's offensive when people do that. But you have a platform. You're black. Maybe you have an understanding that I don't. What is your what is your take on this? I think that. um, Well, well, I'll say it more like this. I think I think that there's a huge percent um, part of the electorate, um, black and otherwise, that. look at Biden with nostalgia. And I think that that's difficult for very left-leaning people as well as some progressives to accept. But I think for some people, it's as simple as that. Um, I do share your frustration when I go on Twitter and I see um, when I see some white folks that say, oh, it's time for a woman to be president and, you know, and, and all that entails. And, and so for me, when a person is is you, 
you know, I don't want to be unfair to them, but where at least they're presenting themselves where the, the main consideration for uh, an elected official um, or president in this case um, is their gender. Um, yeah, or their identity, yeah, right? Right, their identity. So, but at the same time, um, you know, so, so, I, so I do think that, that, that there's a percentage of, of the electorate and maybe a huge part, you know, we're, we're political junkies and, and, but we have to accept that the majority of the country is not. And for those that are not, you know, it's nostalgia and, and, you know, and, and it's really just as simple as that, you know, but, but what's, what's, I think, uh, but, but I, I think mean, what's great about these people, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I, I think what's great about these people though, is I think that there's potential for the same thing that happened in, in Iowa, which is if you get out on the ground and you have conversations with people and say, Hey, look, you know, I understand that, you know, well, what are some of your concerns? What are some things in your community that are important to you? And, and, um, and, and, and what, what are some things that are, that are, that are, um, that are, um, that, 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 are, that, are, that are important to you and, 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 uh, and meet with these, meet with these people one-on-one and, and have yeah, conversations stick with to them. The policy. Yes. And, and so, I, so yeah. I think these people are receptive and, and to your point about, about, um, you know, Biden beginning to lose his support financial and otherwise, then he's not going to have that ground game that someone like Bernie or, or Warren or, you know, um, will have and, and, or even Yang would have. So, it's so, fun, right. Yeah. So these people are right for the picking. So we have to just look at it from that standpoint, but yes, I do mm -hmm. think that their default is nostalgia. Yeah. But nostalgia that it's just like this, um, you know, the, the slander argument, it's these personality, moral arguments, and nostalgia is, is basically sentimentality, right? And if you're talking about a feeling of what you think is going to happen, it has nothing to do with reality. And it's never going to have anything to do with reality. It's not really a battleground or an argument to have. The argument is in the policy. The argument is in the history. And when you look at those things with Joe Biden, it's awful, the things he's done for black people are what, you know, he's made life worse for most people and that's his history. And he's been a warmonger for Iraq and he's, he's tried to cut social security. And, and what I've heard, and, you know, I have no reason to doubt it is that one thing he could get done if he does get elected, which I think is extremely doubtful is he could cut social security with Mitch McConnell. I'm sure Mitch McConnell will be happy to do it. Uh, well, agreed. But again, you know, I, I say that, you know, you have um, people that are political junkies and then you have the rest of the electorate and that's a huge percentage. And so, you know, again, I, I, I do share your, your, your frustration, um, but I, I really don't think it's a deep analysis. I think that it really is as simple as that. And so but so so I think a positive to take from it is that these people are right for the picking for a campaign that offers them solutions can break it down in ways that are relatable directly to them and are, you know, open and friendly to, to, to what their needs are. And, and I, and I definitely think Bernie represents that. I think his campaign represents that. I even think, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, Warren's campaign and, 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 and uh, Yang's campaign does as well, but Bernie definitely has the ground game. He definitely has the funding to do it. He definitely has the volunteers to do it. So I just say, look at it more as a positive that these people may default to Biden, but, if you know if we put the work in these people are easily right for the picking 
it won't take much. Yeah, to all right, I think that's a that's that's great going forward. Is that we know essentially if if Bernie keeps up the the momentum that he's got, he's going to keep pushing in New Hampshire. He's likely to win there, and and if he does, and and Warren has a poor showing, then that could be it for her because that's considered her bulwark, uh, you know, as well. So going into South Carolina, you're going to have. Bernie in this very good position to take it, and he's got the infrastructure, and uh, and he's going to be able to do it. And I think that's very positive. And we need to stay on the positive. We need to think about the future. I was a blip on the radar, and yeah, the media ignored it, and yeah, the 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 bump from the momentum of winning is not there. So what? You know, Pete can have his day if he wants to have his day, but if he gets proved a liar. That's very serious. And, you know, if he's taking credit for the victory, you know, it's not going to get him very far. And, and, and if I he did have a victory, super, which yeah. I doubt, you know, entirely, that he's not going to do well in New Hampshire. So it's kind of the end of the road for Pete Buttigieg, in my mind. Um, I think Warren is going to, is he could go further, but if she kind of courts this, um, you know, gets rid of her, her, uh, anti-super PAC kind of pledge, because really, is she a progressive anymore? Does she really care about progressive values anymore? I think that she's flip-flopped in a lot of these things, Medicare for All being the primary example. Um, you know, a friendship with other progressives, caring about progressive values. These things are not what she's representing on the stage. So she's lost a lot of that. And that's her own doing. Well, again, and I, I, so again, I don't see her going that much further unless she does the moderate lane. But, but if she but takes the moderate lane, junkies. but again, that's but it. again, I think. So that was uh, to me, Henderson and I talking about the Iowa caucus. Uh, and I was giving a little bit of analysis of uh, things that have been bothering me, the, the things that have been keeping me up at night. Elizabeth Warren's betrayal of progressives, really. You can talk about Bernie Sanders, but really it's progressives that she kind of turned her back on. Um, and as a progressive, I feel offended, and it bothered me. Uh, the unilateral warmongering of uh, the Trump administration, um, again, it's it's the system that's broken. It's not necessarily Trump. Trump is just driving the car a little differently, but the car's having problems. So... We need to look at those things and we need to really take care of ourselves first, obviously, take care of our minds, clear ourselves of all of this stress and all of this anxiety and go clear-eyed into the future. Um, don't be angry. Don't get sad. Figure out a way to be progressive, to be proactive to get content out like this, get get involved with the Sanders campaign or whoever you believe in that's going to make it better for people. Um, that's really the old idea, right? That's what I want to do. If you like the, the podcast, you like the show, please subscribe. I will continue to put out some more. I do have more discussions with Tamik Anderson um, that I'll be publishing today, tomorrow, uh, there's there's a series where we discuss uh, the viability of Warren and Yang, and we debate we debate um, where they are right now. We we talk about our histories and growing up and being 
Generation X being in New York for so long, seeing New York politics and New York evolve. So a little bit of Bloomberg in there and de Blasio. <clears throat> we, uh, we have one more that's about we debate progressives and progressives role in the Democratic Party. And that's a really interesting one. So I'll be putting these out in the next couple of days. So be aware. Check it out. I hope that you enjoy it. If you do, subscribe. That'd be really great. Any feedback you have, you can just hit me up at meaningwhatradio at gmail. And I hope to hear from you soon. I hope that you enjoy this and have a great day. Bye. Thank you.